On this episode of the Anthony Bradley Show, I will be having a conversation with Mr. Joe Hewitt, the 2021 academic year president at the Phi Delta Fraternity at the University of Arkansas. Phi Delta is a fraternity that's known for its friendship, sound learning, and moral rectitude. And I'll be having a discussion with Mr. Hewitt about how they apply those principles at the University of Arkansas. Thank you so much for joining us for this enlightening conversation. Hello there, and welcome again to the Anthony Bradley Show. I am thrilled tonight to be having a conversation about Greek life and fraternity life with Mr. Joe Hewitt, the 2021 president of the Phi Delta Fraternity at the University of Arkansas. Joe, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, no problem, Anthony. Thanks for having me. So just give us some background information about your story. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Springdale, Arkansas. So just up the road from Fayetteville, about my parents live about seven minutes from campus. So grew up, never left Arkansas, went to high school in Springdale, went to elementary school in Springdale. I did everything in Springdale. What are you majoring in there at Arkansas? Yeah, so I have a major in marketing. Marketing, and you're graduating here, I, I heard, in, in a few months. What are, you, what are you planning to do after college? Yeah, I'm graduating in May. I work for a toy company right now in Springdale, Arkansas. So they make small trucks, trailers, horses, cows. So shout out to Big Country, Big Country Toys. So that's where I'm working right now, but really just probably going to stay there. That's great. That's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant to have something already lined up. Did your parents go to Arkansas? They did not. They went to Arkansas Tech University, which is in Russville, Arkansas, just a little bit in the it's more central. It's in the River Valley. Did you look at any other schools in the region? What drew you to Arkansas? I didn't really look at any other schools in the region. I looked at the Naval Academy in Arizona State. Yeah, I know. Super, super random on either sides of the U.S., but really what brought me to Arkansas is that my three older brothers all went to the University of Arkansas, were in fraternities. Two of them were in Beta Theta Pi here. One of them was in Bucks, which technically isn't a fraternity, but I know. That's initially what drew me. And it's home. And I love Arkansas. It's the best kept secret in the world. I'd like to keep it that way. So I'm shooting myself in the foot on the podcast, but it's home and it's beautiful. I love it. And that's ultimately what made me decide to go here. That's great. And when you were in high school, you mentioned that your brothers were in fraternity. So you were not foreign to the concept of Greek life. But when you were in high school, were you were you pretty committed to the idea that when I go to college, I'm definitely joining a fraternity? Or were you just kind of thinking, well, maybe, maybe not? Yeah. Being so close to the university and having friends and even my own brothers who were involved in the IFC at University of Arkansas. It wasn't weird for us as juniors in high school to come down to one of my best friends. His brother was in Lambda Chi, I guess is a Lambda Chi. And we would come down and play Xbox at the house, hang out with them Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That was never a, a weird thing. It was, which was nice just coming to college. It was really normal just to be on Stadium Drive, which is where Fidel is and Lambda Chi is right next door. And so it was a really cool experience. When you arrived on on campus, you were open to the idea of being of being in a fraternity. But I also remember seeing in one of the emails that we had that you were coming back from church one day, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, I think this guy's a Christian." And I'm wondering how in the world do you navigate being a Christian in Greek life at a football school? I know the culture. I know what happens yeah. on Thursday night and Friday and Saturday. How how did you maintain your faith while being in a fraternity? Part of it is that in high school, I was training up my faith, whether that be surrounding with good community, knowledge of the scriptures, a real relationship with Christ, not just a lot of the South is, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't think a lot of people necessarily have a true committed relationship. And I didn't, I know I didn't, I I'd said I was a Christian for a long time and just never, never meant anything to me. It was just a word that I said, cause we were in the South. And so through that in high school of having a real true relationship with the father producing fruit and pouring into other people younger than myself and having older people pour into me, I wanted that in college too. And there's not a better place to do that than in a fraternity. I spent 
so much time as a freshman in this house and had people in this very room that poured into me as a freshman when everyone was telling me that, you know, I was a piece of crap and lower than dirt. You're a pledge. So it's, you're hearing it from, and it's kind of tough. You're like, maybe this kind of sucks, but you have guys that are leaders in the fraternity saying, Hey, like, I love you. I did this. The Lord loves you. Think about the impact that you can make with guys in our fraternity that can be eternal, right? If I say I'm a Christian and I believe that like Jesus is the way, why would I not share that to my fraternity brothers who I am supposed to love? You know, one man is no man. Like I can't leave anybody behind. That's love is to stand up and be like, Hey, I love you. Like, this is the right way to go. And I was, I'm an idiot. I'm doing this wrong. Let's work together because this is real. And I think that's super important. I think that's what's given me strength is that guys have been receptive of that. And I have a great group of friends that were around me when I was a freshman, when, you know, it's not just about not drinking. It's not just about not smoking. It's about being a light and every day guys noticing, I don't know why Joe's different, but he's different. And I love that about him. And why like conversations of like, why are you different? Why are you happy? I think even in COVID, and I'm sorry if I'm getting off on a tangent here a little bit, but COVID has brought up a lot of depression and just depravity. Like it's shown me the depravity of man without Christ as a savior, which I got to see that even before COVID drinking and partying and smoking, it's all good and fun, but like, it leaves me empty. Ultimately at the end of the day, I'm not a stick in the mud. I I love the party. I like to have a drink and that's not bad, but it leaves me empty. Ultimately, when I put my faith in that, Christ is the only thing I can put my faith into, be fulfilled and satisfied. And the friends there really helped for pledgeship of freshman year and sophomore year when we were living in house. And the temptation there for me was never gone. I'm an 18 year old and 19 year old kid. Like I want to go drink and get drunk with everybody else. But having friends there um, and being in the word was ultimately how I was successful in that. And so when you were in high school, what were your friendships like compared to the friendships that you have had in your, in your fraternity? What, what are, what are some of the, the similarities or differences there? Yeah. So I, I rushed with about four guys that I was super close with in high school. And these guys were like my squad we all rushed fight out, obviously. And then we had some guys that came in to our friend group freshman year that we met through fight out, obviously. And I think the friendships are very synonymous from high school to college. I think the speed of what college did was greater than high school. Does that make sense? Explain uh, what you mean by, by speed. My high school friends, it was seemed like a longer period of time to get closer. We had from ninth grade to honestly, some of them like fifth grade. My high school I went to was like K through 12. It was a small private school. So like some of them I knew in fifth grade, but some of them it was ninth grade. So we had a long time to get close. I feel like when I got to college and these guys that I was friends with became friends with, our friendship grew like that. It was super close, really quick. And I think it was because we had like values and it was really us that were encouraging one another to keep on doing this. Like we we're doing a good thing. This is a just cause. Um, like this is how we gather strength from each other and through the word, like we're reading together and all of that. And there's maturity obviously that plays in that. I being a freshman in college, but that's what I'd say is the most different between my high school, the friends that I came in with high school and then the friends that I made in college. Yeah. So when you got to college, they got, the relationships went deeper, faster. Yeah. And yeah. you all, because you have common goals, common aspirations, common interests, you want to be better men. You see what you're up against in a world that often wants to undermine the idea that you want to be better men. And so you guys were able to rely on each other and to yeah. support each other. And that, that really is, that's the secret sauce in making men successful. You got to have a band of brothers. Mm -hmm. that will support you and encourage you and will push you to be a better man. And the fact that you guys were able to do that early on in the relationships that you had is just is super, super extraordinary. And as you spoke, bared a lot of fruit, right? It really bears great fruit. Most people are probably thinking, they hear that you're in a fraternity and they think, I don't know, 
fraternities are probably not that great of a thing. I've seen the movies. We've seen all the Zac Efron movies. We've seen Neighbors. We've seen yeah. all the way back to Animal House. Uh, fraternity guys are chads. They're terrible guys. The worst thing that a college guy can be in is in a fraternity. Yeah. And part of my project is to help people see that's actually not true. It's the opposite. And so from your perspective, now that you've been in for a few years, you're about to graduate, you were the president uh, for 2021, how would you make the case that fraternities are actually good things, that being a part of Greek life is something that's good for a man to do during his college career? Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like everything you hear about fraternities is just so damning. It kind of makes you like want to not wear letters or do stuff around campus. But I think the only evidence I can give to why that's all wrong is because I think any organization you have, especially now in the culture that we live in, is that any bad apple you get is like the apple that's put on the stand right out front. I've seen and had to deal with people that, yeah, they are tools, but my fraternity brothers are some of the greatest men that I've ever met in my life. I can confidently say that about each and every one of these guys in the house. I've known them for a long time. And a lot of them, I was you know very involved with their bringing up. I was either pledge trainer or I was on exec. And now for a lot of them, I'm the president. But I think there's something special about when you get an immature kid, which I know I was when I was a freshman, and you put him in a room and most 18 year old men are douches regardless of where they came from. I probably didn't think I was a douche, but looking back, I totally was. I don't think you could find a group of guys on campus outside of the engineering school that wouldn't be like, that's just the truth. But there's something really special about when you get that and you get all these high testosterone, like high sense of self in a room and you present them with something like our manual that's one man is no man and you're going to leave this place better than when you found it and see how they through that of a good pledge trainer then begin to lead them through that process of this is this is why we have three pillars right this is why our six founding fathers are important because they wanted these three pillars to be drilled in every single man in this fraternity friendship sound learning and moral rectitude that's what we want. And that's what we do at Fidel. And yes, it's crazy because most people don't know what goes into a fraternity. Like most fraternities in the SEC, I as president am running a three quarter of a million dollar business. We make that much money through dues and stuff just because we have so many people. And then you're managing 56, 18 year olds that left their parents home so that they could go rebel, most of them. And it's really hard to control those people because you don't pay them really. So they don't have necessarily any reason to listen to you other than if you give them social probation, but even sometimes that's not a, a huge deterrent. And so you, <laughs> the challenge is great. And so of course you're going to have bad apples and honestly, big boy decisions have big boy consequences, right? This is also the part of time when you are a big boy and there's been some people in our house that have made big boy decisions and they probably weren't ready for it because the consequences were very big. But I don't think that's necessarily a reason to shine so much bad light on a fraternity because I know that not only Fidel, but every fraternity on that's outside that window right there is this. They are great for the community, great for building men. I hope my son gets the opportunity to go through some fraternity organization because I do think it helps to have you know, bloodship's a sucky time. And that's also why you grow close with friends quick because it's something like, Hey, remember when we, you know, did that, that three in the morning, that was dumb, but it's fun now. And you get to build stuff like that. And so it's great for friendship. You have to have a goal to get into the fraternity. You have to have a two, seven, five or three point or whichever one it is for any fraternity. Like you have goals set up for these freshmen that Honestly, if I was in a fraternity, I don't know what my GPA or outlook as a freshman would have been like, because I kind of would have just been alone. It was great to have sophomores even help me and juniors and seniors care about me, 
which I don't know why a junior or senior would care about you if you weren't in the same house as him every day. That's fantastic. You had options in terms of the the organizations that you could have been a part of there at, at Arkansas. I mean, you're raised in the area, you know a lot about Arkansas already, and you chose you chose a fraternity. And you could have just gone to like college ministries and just lived in a dorm with everybody else, but you chose to rush a fraternity. And I'm wondering, what is it about a fraternity for you that you can't get if you were just a Christian on the campus or just a student on campus, just hanging out at a Wednesday night at college ministry? What is it about the fraternity experience that is unique that you can't get it unless you're in a fraternity? Yeah, I think one, it's just fun. Like it's more fun to be in a fraternity on in college because I get to go to functions, tailgates, like that was huge. It's probably more fun than any like VBS or anything like that you could go to. The second thing is that the problems that you encounter and the the hurt and hangups and habits that you encounter as being in a fraternity are very great. They're are people who are really hurting and have serious struggles and issues that don't just go away after college. And for me to, to even have an influence in someone's life, just one, just to plant a seed, even, I mean, I'm sure half of my fraternity brothers think I'm crazy. Like they probably do, but I love them so much. Whether they think I'm crazy or they think I'm, I don't know, but I loved getting to one, sit and listen to them when they were struggling that I, I don't think I would have gotten out in just like if I was doing dorm stuff, which maybe that's wrong. I don't know. I didn't do that. But uh, the problems and the hangups and the hurts are so real. And, and it helps me so much to remind me that like one, the Lord's very gracious. And, and two, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm really messed up. I'm not better than any of my fraternity brothers. Like I struggle with the same thing they do. And it's really beautiful to walk through that with, them because they might think that like oh like joe's just a goody two-shoes like no i'm not a great person and so that's been great for me also to walk through that line with like how do i show grace to people it's been great for my relationship with the lord just to understand him more and understand his heart and how he deals gently and lowly with us and also just for guys to be able, like we have a chaplain our chaplain is supposed to say like a prayer out of our chapter book and it's great to yeah, have like my buddy who lives right next to me is the chaplain it's hey you don't have to say that prayer at chapter you can like actually pray you don't have to say the words and like to have multiple people on the exec staff that are like we didn't have a, a lot of ifc push for a mental health chair to be added in but our whole exec team essentially was that for our guys. And that's, that was great also to have just that built in already of just, we actively sit and listen to our guys whenever they want to talk to us, which that's, I don't think I would have got that anywhere else other than a fraternity. You really personally went in with a mission, right? You wanted to support and love and care for some guys. You were like, I'm going to be in this fraternity, not because of what I get out of it myself. I actually want to be a part of a community because I want to invest in the lives of a brand new set of brothers. I want to make them better men, and I want to listen to them and care for them and really love on them, which is really extraordinary. And by the way, you say you're crazy, but that's probably why they elect you president, right? Yeah, Uh, Because they they recognize, hey, this guy who cares for us, he wants what's best for us. He wants what's best for our house. Uh, For those of my listeners who aren't students at the University of Arkansas, can you explain how the rush process works there from the informational meeting to being initiated? What is a, a student likely to, to experience in terms of the number of weeks and all those things from that first info meeting to being initiated? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a big range at the U of A. I think for me, it was multiple years. Like I was on campus from junior year. There were people rushing my group of friends. In high school? Yeah. That's the cool thing about being from Northwest Arkansas is like I we started rushing in a in an informal way junior year from going to houses, going to fraternity houses and hanging out with guys and guys, older brothers would take us around and meet people. And that's something that you get as a plus from living in Northwest Arkansas or close. So Texas is huge at Texas kids coming to Arkansas is huge. They get in-state tuition if you're from Texas. And so we have a ton of Texas kids. 
which is a little bit harder for them to do that, but still we kind of go around, but informal starts. So when you're a senior in high school, you graduate in let's say April as a fraternity, we'll start rush trips in the summer golf tournament. We have a big golf tournament in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's like three hours South. And a lot of our guys come from Little Rock and we have a big Little Rock pool. And then we do a Lake Day event in Hot Springs. And then we do a, we'll do some Texas event, whether it's in Dallas or Austin. Some years it just determines, or it's just determined on who is the Texas rush chair. So we elect rush chairs. So we'll do three upperclassmen. We'll do a Northwest Arkansas, which is Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville. Um, those are like the four big towns in Northwest Arkansas. So we'll do Northwest Arkansas. This year we have two Northwest Arkansas, which is a big deal. Two Little Rock. One's an upperclassman, one's a freshman, and then we'll do a Texas rest year. So over the summer, you all are exposing students who haven't even started their first day of class yet. They're already getting acquainted with you guys and getting to know the brothers. When they show up that first week on campus, before the informational meetings start, they kind of have a sense of what a lot of the guys are like, what the culture's like before they arrive. And that and that's part of the plan. Is that is that fair? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people do pre-bids. Like basically you hang out with this the whole summer with a guy and you're like, hey, I like you. Like you've got a bid to fight out. And people will be like, Yeah, I want that. Or no, I don't want that. Or some kids who are awesome have pre-bids to every place. They have a big decision coming on prep night. I didn't have that decision. I just had fight out. Some guys in our punch class had big decisions to make. That's a huge decision for where you're going to spend the next four years. But that's summer rush, essentially. You know, it's usually big events all throughout the summer. And there's smaller events, too. It's just a lot. Just meeting people. If you can meet people, then you're doing good. And if people like you, it's really good. So then they move back. They move on to campus. And there's about two weeks where nothing goes on. Sorority rush happens in those two weeks which then your rush parties become just sausage fest. It's just dudes everywhere. The girls are rushing. And then formal recruitment starts for IFC. And basically they go around from house to house. You've got parties. I think there's 14 allotted parties throughout the day. And you've got small groups with Rokai's is what they're called. They're like rush leaders from every fraternity. You just get placed in one. And then your Rokai's will be your guide essentially through the rush process. And they'll take you from house to house. And then the parties get longer each day, 15 minutes, house tour, 30 minute philanthropy day, 45 minute, something, an hour and a half prep night. And then you'll only have three parties on prep night. So you get dwindled down as you go to your three and then you have prep night and then you go to the union and fill out your big card. And then the next day is bid day. And we all meet in the Greek theater. How do guys find out if they got a bid? Do you email uh, them? They get a text. How do they find out? I'm not really sure because I, I know they open up like a real bid card. Like you have like a bid card. It's on a piece of paper, but I don't know how they find out that night. I think maybe the rush chairs text them. I know I, I was texted by rush chair and just, Went back to fight out and hung out. The bid day wasn't as big of a a deal, but I think that's how most people, I, I know you get the bid card, but I think most people are texted by a rush chair or somebody. And so you get a bid and how long does it take to be initiated once you get a bid? Well, it depended a lot on what fraternity. So I think we were, we would usually initiate them in February of that next year. So they from September, they would go till February. Now the universities put limits on, I think they have to be initiated like November 14th if they're falls. I don't know. I'm not sure what the spring is. Is there a fall and a spring rush? Fall and spring, just for guys. The girls, there's a couple houses that do it for girls, but not a lot. There are some universities that have just completely gone to spring only, uh, Russ. Mm -hmm. so, so the fact that you all have a fall and a spring is actually making you guys an outlier. That's trending. That old model is, is beginning to completely disappear. So you mentioned that your brothers were all in different fraternities. You went through the process yourself. What was it about 
about Fidel when you were a freshman or sophomore. You came in as a, as a freshman, is that right? Mm-hmm. What was it about Fidel that made you say, you know what? I've seen these other fraternities. I want to be specifically with this group of men. What what was it about them that that made you want to pledge them? It was all about the guys. So the rest chair of my year, his name was Jay Young. He was just a big influence in my life that summer. Like just seeing him, he was also a believer. And there's another guy, he wasn't a rest chair, but we knew each other. His name's Chase Arnold, older guy that was living in house that coming fall that I was coming up and we had met a couple of times and really liked him. And then even the pledge class of my pledge brothers, like they were awesome they're the best i love them so much and even my group of friends like we were all like dang we love fidel this is the place like you're going here like i like it too oh we love ryan clark from austin tech like we met ryan the other day he's crazy and awesome that really because for us it wasn't like we didn't care what the letters were like i didn't i don't care like my brothers were betas aren't like sought out they're not like the greatest at the u of a maybe like the most sought after but like i didn't care i guess i knew some guys that i was like hey i've got beta and so it's it wasn't it wasn't the letters for me it was all about the people that i met that i was like man i can get poured into here and i love the people here and i can pour into them as well which that again can happen for at any house it, i just tended to i was i love the people at fight out they weren't like in a box there's some fraternities that are like you got to be super country or like super hip or like super this or this and fight else what i love most about us is that we've got everything across the board you name it it's probably in the house somewhere how many guys are in your chapter we have 200 and 260 or somewhere around there and what is it about fight out that that makes you all distinctive at the university of, of arkansas is there anything that stands out to you that's like yeah we're pretty good at this what what would that thing be yeah i was thinking about that on our uh, on the question you sent me but I, I think that we are good at not just putting people in a box i think that's a lot of what has made us really successful is that in the southeastern conference like there's people hesitant to take people of color, whatever, whether it be black, Asian, Hispanic. That's what I loved about my pledge class too, is that like Jung Han from Fayetteville was like in my pledge class. And there are some houses that probably won't take Jung, but like I love Jung so much and I'm so glad he's in my pledge class. And that's why Fidel has consistently been, especially in my opinion, the top is because we're not afraid to take anybody for, we're looking for quality of men. And that's what we go after and seek after. It doesn't matter. We're not, we're not behind the ball on, it's not the sixties at Fidel still. And I don't think a lot of houses can necessarily say that. I think that's a lot of alumni still feel that way. And I know that our alumni don't, which helps because it's not, are you going to take him because he's black? I don't ever feel that pressure. Hey, is he a good guy? Yeah, let's take him. You all really care about the character of the man. You all are not trying to create a homogenous model of what the man should be in terms of his culture. You're open to having guys, regardless of their background, as long as they're quality. You just want quality guys. And and you're not trying to create a stereotype. You're really open to that. That's really cool. I read the mission. I went to the national website. This is one of the things (laughs) I love to do about these interviews is I'll go to to the national website and I'll search around and, and see what are some of the things that the national organization says and then how are those things put into practice on your particular campus? And when I read the vision and, and the mission of, of Fidel, this is what it reads. The pillars are the cultivation of friendship among its members, the requirement individually of a high degree of mental culture, and the attainment personally of a high standard of morality. Shorten, we refer to the principles as friendship, uh, sound learning, and rectitude. When you hear that, those pillars and how it's explained, which one of those really stands out to you and why? What's your favorite part of that? Yeah, I think friendship sticks out to me because out of all of those, morality and rectitude, that's my 
be controversial, but I think friendship is the most important for college students. Something that it might be harder for guys even to admit that like guys, a lot of the time don't like friendship seems to be a soft characteristic. And obviously there's college guys that maybe don't want to be seen as soft, but I think something that we also do extremely well is our fraternity builds friendships, not like clicky, like the Little Rock guys hang out with Little Rock guys and the Northwest Arkansas guys hang out with Little Rock guys. But like some of my best friends are from Austin and Dallas, Texas. That's weird. Some of them are from Little Rock. That's not like a lot of fraternities can't say that. And I think that that's something that we do really well through our Phi Chi program, our pledge program. And I think that's something that I'm interested to see if that lasts for 10 years from now. But I, I think that's something that we do really well. And I think that's one of the most if not the most important thing from that one of those pillars. That first pillar, you said you all have a program where you really focus on on developing friendships. What does that look like for you guys? What's, how do you all develop these close friendships between your members? I think it's been in part to our long pledge program. The university probably hates that, but it's something that I believe in. I was a pledge trainer, so I care a lot about my pledges. And I'm the youngest of three or four, sorry, I'm the youngest. And so it's like, I never got the chance to be an older brother, which I took my time as being a pledge trainer as being like 56 guys, older brother, which was super special. And those connections I made through that pledge class have been crazy, but I think it's the length of time that we do it. That makes it so good. And even just having challenges through college for that long, even like a test week and it's man, like this test week's going to suck. I, I don't want to do it. And it's, I got 40 people that are going to take the same B law test as me. And like, we're all studying in a basement with the Walton college in January. And we've been doing it forever. We've been studying for the same test. And so a lot of people cut off and, and I understand why the university wants to do that. Obviously it's to mitigate risk, which I completely understand that you can't get every pledge trainer and, even if you get a great pledge trainer, there's guys in the house that don't care. So I completely understand that. But I think that that's something that we've done really well that makes our friendships last and makes the friendship valuable. So you all, from the beginning, because of the way that you all do the process, you guys just spend a lot of time together, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. you spend a lot of time together. It sounds like just doing normal stuff, probably meals, eating, that time that you spend together creates connection and friendship and trust and, and all those kind of things really, I think, sets you guys up to do the other aspects of your fraternity culture that makes your fraternity a great place to be. I think you're absolutely right. Having friendship as the basis of everything else sets, sets the whole fraternity up for success. The second part there is the pursuit of academic excellence. I mean, what fraternity is going to be like, no, we, we want to be academically terrible. Yeah. So yeah, you, you want to be academically excellent. How do you all support each other? Like if a pledge hears that this fraternity is going to focus on academic excellence, what should he expect to experience and receive that might help him become academically excellent? Yeah. I think this semester was the first semester that we didn't get top in grades for the whole time I've been on exec. I think we got second this year. I think Sigma Nu beat us out. That's also some of our bread and butter because we spend time on the front end of combing through guys is that we build a base. These guys are going to do well in school. And I think the thing that all fraternities help with to give credit to everybody is that you get guys surrounded, younger guys surrounded by sophomores who took that class. They're like, Hey, don't take him or don't take her. Or here's what, here's how you study for this. And then obviously we have resources of, we have a budget in our built in for scholarship chair to, we don't buy Scantrons. There's that weight lifted off. I've never had to buy a Scantron, which is great. And also like tutoring, we have guys in house to tutor and we have a budget to pay for tutoring. If you need it, there's a guy in half, you're a chemical engineer and we don't have one of those. We can help you there, which I think has been nice. Obviously, I think it's paid off for our chapter. And I think even, obviously, if you ain't first, you're last, but second's pretty good. One of the things that's true about guys in college is if their grades are good, they're usually having a great time. 
And if their grades are not good, they're not having a good time. And it really for guys, and I've, I've just noticed this as a college professor, if he's able to succeed academically, it's like everything else falls into place. If he's struggling mm-hmm. with his grades, he's probably thinking of transferring, maybe dropping out. He's, I want to change my major. You know, you guys focusing on academic excellence, I'm telling you right now, you're setting your guys up for success. It just makes yeah. college go so much better. It reduces your anxiety and your stress about your future. All those things just opens doors. And so for you guys to focus on that, for guys coming in, really should encourage them to be confident that they're going to be much better off the longer they stay in, which is yeah. fantastic. The third one is the attainment personally of a high standard of, of morality. They use the word rectitude there. How is it that you all focus or maintain or keep each other accountable, maybe with your moral virtue? How does that work at a football school at Arkansas on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, home game weekend? What does that look like? Yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard, too, because all of our alumni... They're the ones that are, this is their main topic of accountability. Back in the day when they were there, mom and dad necessarily didn't pick up the check for a lot. And so fines were heavy handed. So I think that's something that we've been working through and this new exec team's going to have to make sure that they're good about is fulfilling their duty to, to fine. And also big time decisions. I mean, we had to pull pins of seven members last year that catches eyes and everybody kind of perks up a little bit, but that was really sucky. By pulling pins, you mean, what does that mean? Yeah. Sorry. It's just make they're they're no longer fight else to nationals to anyone. Yeah. I was going to say in, in the church world, we call that excommunicated. Yep, exactly. That's, that's what it is. And so you all are willing, you all are willing to invite people to leave if they don't live up to the standards, which means that you take them seriously. Why have them if you don't take them seriously? And the fact that you guys are willing to hold each other accountable, so much so that you're willing to invite guys to leave and go join a different kind of community because you care so much about the quality control and the consistency of your standards, these pillars, makes Mm -hmm. them real. And it makes people take them seriously. And so the fact that you guys have the fortitude to make those decisions really speaks to how upstanding you guys are as a community of men. It's really outstanding. But you all also are not perfect. Yeah, not at all. Sometimes you mess up. And you guys are currently in a season of suspension. You mentioned that to Mm me. Can you tell us what happened and what your suspension means and how do you guys come out of it? So we had obviously some bumps in the road of 20, I guess that's spring of 2021. And so we let some members go, kick them out, excommunicated, whatever you want to say, because they had some pretty heavy handed actions. And so that led us to a suspension from our nationals to get some things done. We had member reviews. Every member of the chapter had member reviews. and so. That, that was essentially just a Zoom call with people on our general headquarters team and just asked them about a lot of the a lot of the three principles about, do you still believe this? This is what we're doing. Everybody who's back said yes. And so we got off our general counsel probation in October sometime. So this was our first taste of regular since whenever COVID happened. I don't even remember. We had one incident of a halfway semi-registered function that it was a miscommunication on our social chair and the universities. This last one, we had just initiated some members and the ambulance was called to our house for a medical evac. So obviously the police came and it was a, a big deal. So that's why we are on uh, social probation. We're on social probation and we didn't take a spring pledge class. What would you say are some of the the lessons that you guys have learned from that? Yeah, I think as this is like my last rodeo, essentially this last suspension, it's always good to focus on fight out, not other people. I know that a huge excuse that 
the people in the chapter and and even some alumni understand that all across the university there's people partying and all that good stuff. We still can't, even if they are. That's been something that we've been hounded in. Even something as little as a party, it could turn into an ambulance gets called to the house. And so it's things like, you know, a party in and of itself, that's pretty innocent, kind of. But like there's big things that come with it's not just the fact that you're having a party, it's the fact that, you know, an ambulance comes. It's not the fact we had an incident of someone stuck a pool cue at like 2 a.m. in a fire extinguisher and it like blew up. It's not just that like those things happen. It's like there's some stupid things that some people are doing that it could totally be like, let's just not walk by the fire extinguisher. You know, let's be smart about some of these things. I think that's been a big learning is that we have to focus on ourselves. We can't focus on other people. And then just, you got to listen to people who know more than you. If I'm being honest, I think it was clearly communicated not to do anything. And I think some people just kind of like, it's just a little party. You know, it wasn't very big, but still an ambulance came. That's been and on me just to over-communicate on some of those things like, hey, like really, we're not doing anything tonight. Not a, hey, don't do this. It's not happening from my end. So that, those were the biggest learnings. The fact that you're willing to even talk about that publicly on this podcast, to me, says a lot about the culture of humility in your fraternity. And if I were a freshman at the University of Arkansas, or if I'm a junior, senior in high school, I'm thinking these are the kind of men I want to be around who are not afraid to be open and honest about the fact that they're not perfect. They have humility. They want to learn from their mistakes. And making mistakes is normal. I mean, if you're in college and you don't make a mistake by the time you graduate, you're probably doing something wrong. I mean, that's, yeah. that's sort of how I like to frame it. Making mistakes is normal. It's not a big deal. What really matters is whether or not you're willing to, to own it take responsibility for your mistakes, and then learn from it. And what I'm hearing right now is really some of the best practices of what it means to learn from your mistakes. And so I just want to commend you for being able to, for being willing to even talk about that. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's really not normal. And I send a lot of these invitations for interviews out across several college campuses. And I'm always struck by the presidents you're willing to go on record. And the fact that you're willing, Joe, to go on record to say, you know what? We messed up. It's okay. We're going to learn from it and get better. That's formation. That's mm -hmm. leadership. And that's is really the kind of stuff that makes a fraternity a great place to form men to make them better men. So I, I just want to, yep. again, commend you for that. I appreciate that. You all really do want to build each other up. One of the taglines that I often see at several chapters, I'm following a bunch of chapters on Instagram, and I see this phrasing, the best version of themselves. You guys want to make each other the best version of themselves. What, what does that mean? for you all to help each other be the best version of yourselves? Yeah, I think that means growing up. I think the great part about college is that you come in maybe a little green and, and you get to be, you have the opportunity to put yourself around people who are maybe a little more seasoned than you. But I think that phrase, the best version of yourself is you with experience, maybe not the best version of yourself maybe screams perfection, but I think just like you said, it, it's the lack of that really makes you the best version. How do people learn best is through failures most of the time. It sucks because you get 18 year olds, you know, 56 of them, and they tend to play off the failures sometimes, but they are learning. There's been no point in time in our history where there's been problems pushed under the rug. If they're stubborn and hard-headed, that's tough for me to handle because I'm just here for a year and they're here for you know, three, but they have the opportunity and they have the reprimand that a fraternity offers. And that gives them seasoning. So they come in green and then we help them, whether that's giving them a helpful hand up or really just dragging them along against their will on some things of like, hey, you're going to be on social probation or you're going to you got 40 community service hours to do, or you're out of here. Things like that really help you become the best version of yourself because you learn from your mistakes. If a man is thinking about pledging Fidel, he needs to be open to the, to the fact that we're serious about making you better. There's a proverb that says, 
is iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen yep. another, which basically, as I've explained to lots of people in the past, that includes some friction. Right? Yeah. There's some sparks, <laughs> there's some heat. So yeah. we're going to we're going to press into you, not because we, we want to shame you or rag on you. We actually want you to be better. Yeah. We want to refine you. We want to purge out all the stuff that's getting in the way of you being the best version of yourself. And it seems like you guys have a system of accountability that's embedded in the structure of your fraternity that allows guys to experience that firsthand. Mm-hmm. As I've said before, there is a national stereotype about fraternities. There's a massive abolished Greek life movement going on right now. Yeah. It is pretty rampant in the ACC. In the SEC, it's not quite as bad, except for the campus of Vanderbilt is really bad. Duke University, their IFC is down to like four or five fraternities. There's a national movement. There's a national movement to purge fraternities from college campuses because of the stereotypes. What are they? They These guys just get drunk, take advantage of women, right? They're a bunch of racists and they're just completely irresponsible. What is it that you all have have done or, or what do you all do to not make those stereotypes be real in your fraternity's chapter, in your culture? Because it, it exists, that stereotype exists. You have an opportunity and had an opportunity as president to make sure that that stereotype was not alive and well in, in your chapter. What are some of the things that you all did to allay or dispel that as a normative part of how people think of a man in Fidel? Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways we've done it. We do have some of those people in our fraternity. The contrary, though, is that we have leaders throughout the university, and I think that's where we set ourselves apart. And I think that's what a lot of fraternities at the U of A are doing well, and that it's like a lot of people see that SAE, Lambda Chi, Fidel, Sigma Nu, Sigma Chi, Pike, Cap Sig. They've got people in ASG. They've got people leading teams in the engineering buildings. They've got people on IFC leadership. There's people leading in the community. It's They're on the football team, so obviously they're not like cracked out bums, right? It's not just a fight out. I'm fight out like I'm cool in this house. No, these these fight outs are leaders in IFC. There's fight outs that are leaders on ASG. We've had one ASG president in this last like five year stretch. I know we had a couple more older ones. So like they're president of the whole school, right? Like a Sigma Nu is the president of the whole school right now. He's a great guy. Like that's how you abolish those stereotypes. I, I think, and I think that's why the U of A. Honestly, I, I think that's why, and and it's probably because we're in the SEC. But I also think that's a a big reason why that there's not so much of that here, because a lot of our guys aren't just fraternity necessarily, like our identity might not just be founded in the fraternity, but it's found in other things like Walton College or the engineering school or whatever it be. You all are dispelling these stereotypes by adding value to the college by leading across the college in different organizations, different spaces. You're leading academically, right? You're leading in terms of organizations. So you can't have a group of terrible guys be leading things on campus. You can't have a group of terrible guys be academically thriving on campus. That's not the profile of a group of of losers, right? So you're adding value. You're adding value to the University of Arkansas. You're making the University of Arkansas a better place for everybody. And that's one of the ways that you all are dispelling and allaying those stereotypes. And candidly, as you said, there's some guys that need some development, right? Everybody's not there yet. And that's what you guys are doing. You're working on that with each other and, and making each other better. Now, you were the president for a year And like I said, you had this opportunity to help frame and brand and provide some boundaries for the ways in which other people encountered Fidel Man on campus. What is it that you want people to think about when they encounter someone from Fidel? When they hear the phrase Fidel, what's sort of the first or second thing that comes to your mind that you really want people to think Friendly. I think what we do well is we fight outs are, we talk to you. 
it doesn't matter who you are. I want people to say that about fight out. I want people to say that about every one of our men. I think that's a good character trait to have, to be strong in a stature. I would like us to walk around with a puff in our chest. I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think confidence is great. I want to instill that in every one of our members that we're not confident because we're tools. We're confident because we're fight out men and we, we know what we're doing. We know what direction we're going um, and we're going to go do it. And so that's what I want. And smart, but our academics do speak for themselves and stuff. That's a good one. But if someone came to me and said, hey, man, this guy straight up had no, he had no clue who I was, but he treated me like I was king for the day and he wasn't pouty or weird like sad but he was confident in who he was he didn't come up to me timid or shy he was confident that he was about to make a friend and so that's what i would want from meeting our guys on campus so when you guys are doing the pledge process the informational meeting you make a pitch you say hey if you want this experience in college if you want this experience in greek life you should pledge fight out. What's the fight out pitch? What do you say? Yeah, I think something that we have to our advantage is a sense of alumni. And I think that's the whole spiel is that these are the best guys on campus, grades, heart, stature, everything. These are the guys on campus you want to be around. And our alumni prove that the fact that we've got tons of alumni who are extremely successful and also still active. It's not just like a four-year thing and you're done. I think guys like to see that. But also the brotherhood that we have of during Rush, you look around in a room and there's 50, maybe 40 potential new members. And there's a room full of 180 guys. That's overwhelming. Some guys are like, wow, this is actually a brotherhood. And so it's plain and simple. It is. Hey, this is what we're about. We're the best men on campus. Here's why. It's because we have great friendships. We're smart and, and we're kind. And that's what we're doing. That's what you get when you come here. And what kind of guys are you looking for? What kind of men do you want to pledge and be initiated into this brotherhood? Yeah, I think that I think the beauty of what we do is that we just look for a base and personality. Because I think something that I loved about our pledgeship and what I our pledge trainers did well and what I hope to do well as a pledge trainer was to influence people's characters, right? If you have, you've got a making of a character, you've got a, you're confident and you you are excited. Like you can, you could really mold someone and that's what we're looking for. And that's why it's great. Cause not every five belt looks the same. It's kind of a hodgepodge, but we're the best. We're the best hodgepodge. It really is based on not outside, but inside. Are we aligned? Can you do Basic things like look me in the eyes, shake my hand, have not a weird conversation with me, but like a conversation about everything. Like if somebody's wearing a Star Wars tie, can we talk about that? If somebody's wearing Hunter Henry jersey, can we talk about Hunter Henry moving to the Patriots? Can we do that? Can we do random things like that? Help me understand that you are good conversationally, that you're not extremely awkward, and that you're confident. So you all are open to guys being themselves, but you want them to confidently be themselves. If you're weird, go ahead and be weird. You don't have to be a certain model. There's no like template that guys need to fit into. That if you're into sports, that's great. If you're into video games, that's great. If you're into cooking meat, whatever you're into, that's great. Just be real and be confident in, in the person that you are, those are the kind of men that, that you guys sound like you're looking for. Is that fair? Yeah, it's very fair. That's exactly what we're looking for. You're graduating here in a few months and you'll be looking back over the years at your time at the University of Arkansas and at your time in the fraternity. When you're in your mid forties, you've got all your kids around and you're telling your son, Hey son, when I was at University of Arkansas, I was a fight out. What do you think you're going to be telling him about that experience? What are some of the, the memories and more memorable attributes of your experience at Fidel that you'll probably share with your kids? Yeah, I think the first one I would share with them is, and I just, I had an interview yesterday and this guy who was interviewing me asked me basically the same question. What did you learn most about being Fidel, like a president of fraternity? And I would say, and I kind of touched on it a little bit, but leadership 
is hard, especially when there's not a lot of motivating factors. I don't pay any of these guys to be here and I, they don't necessarily work for me. They do in a weird way, but I don't really pay them to be here. They oddly pay to stay and fight out. So it's kind of backwards almost, but so there's really, it's a different leadership than like a corporate side of leadership. It's really unique because it's peers and younger. And so I don't think I, this might not sound like a lot that I learned, but I learned that asking for forgiveness and admitting wrong is takes the stick out of people's hands. When you sit in a chapter room and you are in front of 68 guys and you're like, Hey guys, I didn't communicate this. Well, I should have done this. I should have done this and I should have done this. And I'm really sorry. And I'm not going to do that again. Right. It takes this mob and turns it into that's when we come back to brotherhood and we're like, I love you. Thank you for that. And so it really does. That was a, a learning for me that guys, and I think nobody likes to admit that they're wrong. I hate doing it more than anybody. I hate to admit that I'm wrong. I will go to my grave thinking that I'm right. I'm just really strong, stubborn. I don't like saying I'm wrong. And that was a big learning for me this last year was like, who cares if you're wrong? You got to admit that at some point. There are more problems come from just burying that it's harder to get people to be on your side when you just don't apologize for anything. When no one takes blame for what was done, you just look like a bad leader period, because then you don't get the chance for people to be like, Hey, he apologized. Like he knew what he did. Wasn't good or right. If you don't do that, then you're like, this guy sucks. And I hate him. Most of the time, maybe people say about me, Hey, this guy sucks, but I still like him with an apology, which is nice, but that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. I would also tell them some really funny stories that probably wouldn't interest in any of your listeners. That'd be the thing I'd tell them about. That's been my biggest learning. And maybe it's just because I it's hit me all as I'm leaving this year. I think my time here would have been a lot easier if I would have just been like, Hey, I, I did that. I did do that wrong. And I'm really sorry. And I won't do that again. So you've learned that there's no shame in taking responsibility for your successes and your failures and asking people to offer you some grace when you're committed to taking responsibility and making it better and fixing it. And I think you're going to need to do that as a husband, as a father, as an employee, as a boss. I think those sorts of attributes are that you've been cultivating over these years are going to set you up for all kinds of success across your life. And so your presidency, your experience there at Fidel has just made you a much better person. And I am certain that one thing that you'll be able to tell your kids, because I'm, I'm hearing it in this interview, is that I grew a lot. When I left and graduated because of Fidel, I can tell you I was a much better man. I can compare my freshman self and, and compare my senior self. And there's a big difference between those two. And being in Fidel has a lot to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're free to talk about that. I've been so impressed with you, Joe, just in this interview, you've just expressed and demonstrated just so much humility. And I think that's probably something that people don't expect to hear from a man in Greek life. And I think that Greek life across the country, you're one of the men that I would put on the honors list of college fraternity presidents because the level of transparency and humility and willingness to take responsibility, these are the things that make great leaders. And our country is desperate for men to do that. And the fact that you're willing to do that and able to do that and did it successfully at the University of Arkansas at Fidel really makes you, in my opinion, one of the best fraternity presidents in America. So Joe Hewitt, thank you so much for being on the show. As I've said to so many of these presidents, your parents should be incredibly proud of the man that you are. I hope they listen to this and your parents should celebrate the man that they heard on this interview because he is absolutely outstanding and he stands out among the rest. I know this, I teach college, I travel around the world, engaging students in the level of humility that I heard 
on this interview tonight is worthy of an extraordinary amount of praise. So thank you again for joining us on The Anthony Bradley Show. And I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of my Patreon supporters. If it were not for your generosity and faithfulness, I could not continue to produce these podcasts. You all are actually the most important part of this experience. Thanks to you and everyone else who tuned in today for this episode of The Anthony Bradley Show. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on the various platforms where the podcast is heard. And I look forward to engaging with you all again here at The Anthony Bradley Show.